So, uh, uh, hi, it's Graham here. Sorry to interrupt your podcast listening like this, but uh, I wondered if you could do us a little favour. I haven't told Carol I'm going to do this, and frankly, I'm not sure she's going to find out. Let's maybe keep it that way, shall we? Uh, I don't think she listens to the podcast, so she won't hear that I've tacked this on to the beginning. But the European Security Blogger Awards, they're about to happen, and Smashing Security has been nominated in a couple of categories. Huzzah, huzzah! You can vote in the awards for your favourite security blogs and security podcasts, hint, hint, but you've only got a few days before the voting closes. So do it today. Do it now. Hit pause. Oh, not before I've told you the URL. It's smashingsecurity.com slash vote. That will redirect you through magic to the voting form. And, well, hey, made the best podcast co-hosted for the last six or so years by a Brit and a Canadian win. Um, yeah, over to you. Smashingsecurity.com slash vote. Thank you very much. We love you all, uh, at least the people who vote for us. Uh, but for now, back to your normal service. And uh, sorry about this interruption. Previously on Smashing Security. Cue the sad music. We have an announcement. Oh. Who's making the announcement? I think you should, Van. Oh, it's all right. So I have, I, I'm very sad to say that I will be, be taking a break from the Smashing Security podcast. And so um, I'm hoping to come back, certainly. But for the moment, it's going to be a break. So, Carol, this is our first anniversary episode. Yeah, what are we... Yeah. Do you think we should get a special guest or something on? I don't know. <laughs> Is anyone really special? Any ideas? Any, Any ideas? ideas? Anyone? Smashing Security, Episode 58, Face ID, Firefox, and Windows Snafus, plus Bitcoin FOMO, with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security, Episode 58. My name is Graham Cluley. I'm Carol Terrio. And I'm Vina Schweitzer. Hey! Hey, guys! He's back. Told you we had a special guest for this week. Uh, it's It's been a while, hasn't it? I'm not that special. I agree. <laughs> now, long-term listeners, of course, will know who Vanya Schweitzer is. Or was. One of the original co-hosts of the Smashing Security podcast. You lasted up until, I think, about episode... I can't remember what it was. but it, 13... Then he got bored and effed off. Then <laughs> he cleared off. Yeah, left us on our own to struggle. Had to go and get a job. But we've, <laughs> but we've dragged you back, Vanya, because it is a very special episode indeed, isn't it, Crow? It is. Why is that? Happy birthday to us. Happy birthday to us. Happy anniversary. Exactly. We're one today. We are one. We are one. We've made it to one. That's and right. We've been per- quite a success. Ah, our very first episode we we recorded. I'm not sure we put it up as a podcast, but we recorded it before Christmas, just before Christmas, around about on this date, uh, on the 21st. Um, and it was a video chat. Actually. It was a Google Hangout. You know what we should do? We should put a link out to it when we put this out, as a, <laughs> just to show how far we've come, and just show what we used to look like when we were young. Yeah, when we were podcast virgins. Now, of course, we're audio only. We decided it was safer for the internet that way. Much safer. (laughs) It meant meant you didn't have to shower before recording. Always a plus. (laughs) 
speak for us. I didn't always anyway. Did you? <laughs> oh, well, you have to do it once a week. Thank God we do this in different rooms. Today's podcast is sponsored in part by OneLogin. OneLogin provides single sign-on, which people think is a productivity tool, but it's very much a security tool. Companies use hundreds of applications every day, with the average worker having to remember about 40 passwords. Unless you use a product like OneLogin, passwords go into spreadsheets, into emails, and end up on post-it notes. OneLogin allows IT to say which users have access to which applications at what time, and also enforce two-factor authentication. So even if credentials are compromised, hackers can't get access to those corporate services. And by connecting to Active Directory, access to all of these services is deprovisioned as soon as someone leaves the organization. OneLogin has customers like Airbus, Royal Mail, BSI, and Dun & Bradstreet. Find out more about OneLogin and download a free guide to identity access management at smashingsecurity.com forward slash OneLogin. That's smashingsecurity.com forward slash OneLogin. And welcome back. And even though it's our birthday week, we are um, going to be doing the same old thing, which is looking back over the last week of security news and talking about some of the stories which caught our attention. And I don't, do which, what browser do you guys use? What's your favourite browser? Dare you tell me? I'll have to say Google Chrome. Yep. Yeah, I'm using Chrome as well. Although I'm thinking of going back to Firefox, actually. Right. I tend to use Chrome the most, although I'm sort of tempted a little bit to go to Safari. But last month, Mozilla produced a brand spanking new version of their Firefox browser, yeah, um, which they call Firefox Quantum, and they're bragging and boasting about it, about it, how fast it is compared to Chrome, which, of course, leads the marketplace. Most people are using Chrome. It's supposed to be very good. Yeah, I think most of the people on, like, close circles in, in group, many groups and stuff are kind of saying how they're thinking of going back to yeah. Firefox. Yeah. So this new Firefox Quantum uh, version of the browser is meant to be much, much faster. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and that's a reason why, you know, some nerds are, are getting very excited about using it. I used to use Firefox years ago as well, but it wasn't just speed freaks who were pleased. The privacy minded as well were also happy because this brand new version of Firefox uh, included tracking protection. So a, a way to easily stop sites from loading code that could be used to track you across multiple websites. So far, so super duper, right? Exactly, exactly. I'm with really you 100%. Good. Yeah. And a good reason to possibly switch, especially. And that was my reason, actually. Right, especially so, compared yeah. to being inside the Google ecosystem, which always makes me a little bit, you know, I don't want them getting their tentacles on me too much. Yeah, why not give everyone your information rather than just Google? <laughs> well, then something bad happened because Firefox users began to spot something a little bit strange. They noticed that unbeknownst to them, an extension had been added to their browser called Looking Glass. And they're thinking, ooh, ooh that sounds dodgy. Sounds a bit strange, doesn't it? You know, have I been drinking from the wrong potion bottle? No, I think it sounds like a magnifier, actually, just by the name. Okay, all right. But if yeah. you hadn't installed it... Maybe you'd be thinking, what's yeah, that? Yeah, if you haven't yeah, expected anything, you suddenly see there's some kind of extension that you don't right. know about. So you're a little bit curious. You think, oh, what's this? Even if it's disabled, you know, mm. you might think, oh, oh, what's this thing? And you look at its description and it says, my reality. 
is different than yours. <laughs> I know, then alarm bells, right? <laughs> ding, go, ding, 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 What yeah. is this? And you think, oh, some bad guy has hacked my computer, or exactly. there's some piece of spyware in my browser, because it's all... A bad guy from alternate universe. <laughs> yes, it, it's kind of a bit spooky, isn't it? Yeah. Understandably, people were thinking this was malware or spyware, saying, turns out that that actually would have been a fairly conventional explanation for what this uh, extension or plugin was. In fact, what it actually was, was a little game or an add-on for an online game designed to promote the US TV show Mr. Robot, if you've ever seen that hacking show, which is kind of... I, I've seen some episodes of it. It's now in its third series, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. I've, see, I've seen the first two, and I thought the first one was pretty good, and the second one... I'm not going to comment on it. <laughs> I actually gave up. I gave up during the second one as well, actually. Yeah, I think I lasted a few more than two episodes. It was kind of fun because comp- I, I think, although it clearly wasn't perfect, and no show is perfect when it comes to describing hacking and computer crime and things, it, it was used in some terms quite sanely. Although, obviously, they have to make these things dramatic as well. But compared to the typical show, compared to watching something like Spooks, you know, where we saw cyber attacks from Russia happening all the time, we you know, affecting our traffic light system or something like that, you know, or bringing riots to the streets of Britain. Um, I thought Mr. Robot was quite fun, but I, I haven't watched it for a couple of years, I must admit. But the thing was this, people were annoyed. Well, rightly so. Surprise, surprise. Rightly so. They didn't plug it in. They didn't, they didn't, they had nothing to do with this. Suddenly this thing is sitting on their browser and when they hover over it, it says, my reality is different than yours. And so what it was meant to do is if you enabled it and if you happened to navigate to a particular Mr. Robot webpage, you would see a clue necessary to get through the next level of the puzzle. Yeah. And it would also sort of invert text of certain buzzwords and keywords computer and hacking related or Mr. Robot related throughout the web for a few seconds. So you'd see some bizarre behavior. And again, this is something which sounds like an old school piece of malware, you know, sort of messing with your browser view. And you might well imagine, um, you know, what's going on here. Well, as you can imagine, no one on the internet was upset at all about this. (laughs) Not at all. Everyone was completely and utterly fine and took it in their stride and said, that's fine. We don't mind most of the... No, no, no. (laughs) So people were leaving comments saying, fuck off and apologise for this And uh, browsers that care about my privacy don't install potential spyware without notifying me. What the f*** were these people thinking? Apparently it's time to switch browsers. The thing is... I kind of like the idea. I like the idea that people are trying to promote shows, promote entertainment in a way that's fresh, right? We saw that with Stranger Things with the app, which we talked about in one of our pick of the weeks. And I I suspect the idea of this plugin was along similar lines. I just think it was implemented (laughs) really badly. Yeah, you don't really do that. You don't really install something with the default installation of the browser, right? So uh, if there was just an extension and and they would promote it somewhere in their own extension store or whatever, that would be fine. Yeah. And they could have let word of mouth spread. So they could have let Mr. Robot fan say, oh, there's this really cool extension for Firefox, join in the game, share it on Twitter, share it on Facebook, share it wherever, you know, and encourage people to try out Firefox. Yeah, if if they made it like a cryptic uh, puzzle, for example, that you needed to solve, or like an Easter egg in, like, you remember those Easter eggs in, like, Microsoft apps in the beginning of 2000s? Yeah. Like, they were quite fun. Yeah. But uh, from the security point of view, they're a real nightmare. 
course. And pushing this out by default to people's computers, even though I believe it wasn't enabled by default, it was installed. I was just going to say it wasn't enabled by default, but it was installed. Yeah. And what it reminds me of, do you remember when Steve Jobs, it was the most painful thing imaginable, when Steve, not Steve Jobs, Tim Cook from Apple yeah. was on stage with Bono. Uh, because they were yep. pushing out the new U2 yep. album to everyone's iPod, whether, uh, iPhone, whether they wanted it or not. I think I still have it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you're not alone, Van. But lots of people were really like, why? What are you doing doing this? You know, it's kind of like spam, wasn't it? Yeah. And even Mozilla's own employees were tweeting. There's a guy called Steve Klabnik, for instance, who's one of the, the dudes at Mozilla. And he said, how can we claim to be pro-privacy while surreptitiously installing software on people's computers? More importantly... And Steve still has a job. Yeah, I think he does. <laughs> he hasn't tweeted yet looking for a new job. But he says, more importantly, how did management not see this as a problem? And I think that's really the thing. How did no one raise a little flag and go, hello, you know, maybe not such a good idea. Come on, come on, come on. Think of it the other way around. We always, as people, like to get something for free. And I can imagine the marketing team sitting in there going, hey, we can give them a little bit extra. You know, let's give them this cute little (laughs) plug-in. Well, the marketing team probably went, okay, we made this deal. They gave us money. You know, we can just put this extension in. Apparently, no money exchanged hands. Really? They just did this out of... They just thought, if we jump on the Mr. Robot wave... That's even worse. Maybe we'll get more dudes... Product placement in Mr. Robot. From now on, Mr. Robot only uses Firebox. (laughs) Maybe, but um, I know these sort of things happen inside companies, but you would kind of hope inside Mozilla... That there'd be more stops and checks. You know what? I, you know, we haven't got to the best bit yet. They did own up and they did apologize for this as well. They did, yes. And it, it's good that they did that. Originally, though, what they said is they, they tried to give an explanation after the initial. Um, I don't have a problem of, with that. Well, here's what they said. They said, Firefox and Mr. Robot have collaborated on a shared experience to further your immersion into the Mr. Robot universe, also known as an alternate reality game and arg for an arg <laughs> the effects you're seeing are part of the shared experience and mr robot centers around the theme of online privacy and security one of our guiding principles here at mozilla it's like whoa <laughs> hello hello yeah. you know <laughs> that was that was written that was a pr answer yeah <laughs> So a bit barfy, okay. So they have now withdrawn the update. You can choose to install it if Perfect. you want from the Firefox extension, but what a goof to make. And Well, everyone makes goofs. I just what bugs me more than goofs is when people try and hide it or don't take ownership of it or don't mm. apologize for it. Yeah, that's always a bigger problem, really. I yes. think everybody can make a mistake, and you think a bit like everybody can be hacked. And there was and, no data loss yeah. here. No one's privacy was threatened. It was just a stupid, you know, a stupid <laughs> idea that, that probably was born from good intentions. Probably was, wasn't it? And I think that's probably a, a good time to switch over to Vanya and find out what his story this week is. Well, there were, there were a few interesting stories this week. One of them was yours, Graham, the, the Firefox one. And the, the story I've chosen is kind of almost along the same lines, I would say. But this time it's about Windows. And it's about uh, a Windows password manager called Keeper, which was included with some of the versions of Windows. Uh-huh. Well, our friend, Tavis Ormandi, who we kind of all know a little bit uh, from our previous lives, 
uh, discovered a, a, a password disclosure vulnerability in the password manager uh, keeper, which basically allows any attacker to set up a malicious web page. So when a user that's logged into the keeper visits that page, uh, the page can actually retrieve any of the passwords stored within, mm. uh, which is in itself quite a bad um, quite vulnerability. Quite. <laughs> like super duper, oh my God, bad. <laughs> that's nightmare scenario, isn't it really? Well, that's one of those things. We always promote uh, password managers and we say they're, they're much safer yeah. than actually remembering your password. And if you depend on that password manager and that password manager is not secure enough and can disclose one of your passwords, then surely that's pretty bad. Yeah, and it's like people <laughs> put everything in their password managers, right? People put credit card details. And that's why I don't use password managers. Yeah, well, good for you for having an amazingly sized brain. <laughs> yeah, I, I have, for every every website, I have different passwords. <laughs> good, so you should. Vanya 1, Vanya 2, Vanya 3. <laughs> okay, hackers listening. You've got your new target. <laughs> it's easy. <laughs> Anyway, I think what's, what's even more concerning is this feature in Windows 10 you have. Basically, in all of the consumer versions, which are, as far as I know, Home, Pro, perhaps there are some other ones, there are so many versions of Windows these days. There is a feature called Consumer Experience, which basically, as you create a new user and you start using your machine, it suggests new apps for you. It also has the ability to install some of the apps, uh, like bundled apps and so some of the people who are actually using Windows 10, when Keeper appeared on their desktop, they were not sure whether they install it themselves or whether it comes bundled with all other Windows applications. Huh. Well, it turns out actually that Windows installed these little apps and uh, Keeper is just one of them. Uh, some of the other ones are games if you're a complete consumer or, or um, things such so, as Netflix. Let me get example. this straight. So it silently installs these apps or do yeah, they kind of declare? people have no idea that they, they, those apps were installed wow. by Windows. <laughs> it's the same as Mozilla. It's the same kind of thing. Jeez. Ba- basically, and, and, and so nobody could agree which versions of Windows uh, had this keeper bound oh to it. Oh, my God. Because it seems that it's very much tailored and that the logic on when those apps are installed sits on the side of the Windows server rather than the actual desktop. This is really annoying because Windows now has security built in. So people tend to rely on Windows as their security provider for home users particularly. And, you know, to get it this wrong. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you, you, to be fair with them, the, those are the universal Windows applications rather than the Windows executable files, which you can have, with, you know, mm-hmm, which can contain mm-hmm. malware. Fair enough, yeah. Uh, they are very much controlled by the Microsoft or Windows App Store. So, but how do you know that some of the app was pushed? Like if you're an ordinary user, you have no idea where, if some app is a, is a normal app or it could be a malware. And to yeah. continue from Crow's point, uh, it, I mean, it will make people more wary of automatic updates and sort of handing over the keys to their computer to the likes of Microsoft, which you normally do for security updates. And you say that's fantastic. But meanwhile, they're doing all this sort of yeah. thing in the background as well. So... There are now computers with Keeper installed on it. Has Microsoft been able to remove the vulnerable version of Keeper? 
Well, I think they they created a new version, which is now uh, pushed. We snapped to, pushed. To, yeah, again. Which, it's going to be pushed again. Mm-hmm. For, of, of course, for the people who haven't removed it themselves or who haven't disabled the automatic push, because I, I, I saw that there are actually quite a few people trying to find a way how they can disable this feature. Yeah. So people are looking for like registry hacks or something like that. Yeah, to, yeah. To and it, se- it seems that in, in recent version, it's it, it becoming more and more difficult of, to prevent these uh, features. And um, Microsoft is obviously using his, their desktop kind of resource as a, as, as a platform for pushing mm. adverts. I wish someone would push out something that would just be like a plain Jane, do what it says on the box. No, no tracking, no anything, no special features, not trying to give me any add-ons. I'd like to push out saying to Bill Gates' PC. Hey! If he's doing things like that. Bill Gates is no longer in this at all. Well, all right. He's going. He's saving the world right now. So you leave him alone. Yep. But the th- the key difference here is Mozilla has apologised, right, and said we won't do that again. We yes. realise we goofed. Microsoft, yes. no plans to change. It's going to carry on pushing out apps to people's computers, isn't it? With that silently, without their permission. Yeah, it's just a standard feature of consumer versions of Windows. Well, the good news is nobody at all uses Windows. Exactly. So, so we don't have exactly. to worry about them. <laughs> what, a, to... what a non-story van, yeah. Yeah, total non-story <laughs> yeah, van, yeah. almost yeah. nobody. <laughs> almost nobody. No one at all. So nothing to worry about there. Very good. <laughs> Carol, what have you got for us this week? Well, I want to talk about Face ID. Do you happen to know what the likelihood of a random person being able to open your phone is, according yes. to Apple? Yeah, you open my phone with Face ID. Yes, yeah. I do know. It's no chance at all because it doesn't have Face ID. <laughs> <laughs> I crazy? have no face ID either. <laughs> so, <Okay. laughs> another great story, Carol. Yes, zero. <laughs> so, Apple say it's one in a million. No, nope, okay? it's zero. One in a million okay. to get in. And um, and they say it's way more secure than Touch ID, which was touted at one in 50,000. Mm-hmm. Now, Apple say, uh, we expect Face ID to be the new gold standard for facial authentication. I mean, Apple are so confident about the abilities of Face ID, they ditched the finger ID option, right? So, you know, they're putting all their apples in this cart. Yeah, I'm not sure that's why they ditched Touch ID in the iPhone 10, though. No. I think it's because of this new screen, which stretches all the way. Yeah, the the bevel-free screen. They couldn't put Touch ID on as well. Mm -hmm, I mean, maybe mm -hmm, they could have put it on the back, Mm -hmm. but that would have been too ugly for them, I imagine, or too Mm -hmm. copying Android phones. But I actually find Touch ID pretty useful. The only thing that I'm slightly afraid of is somebody will cut my finger off. (laughs) And they won't need, yeah, and if you're dead, they won't need to cut your finger off, Anya. They can just push your (laughs) back. That's true. But if I'm alive, on the other hand, you know, it's better to give the finger off if somebody You'll probably notice at least that. Yeah. You'll I, notice yeah. You might happened. notice, maybe put up a fight. Yeah. That's what Ooh, I do. Oh, where's my finger? <laughs> but yeah, I, I like Touch ID as well. I find yeah. it really convenient. I, I'm, I'm in no rush to get a phone with Face ID. Anyway, Carol, so yes, yes. apparently it's more secure. Right. I'll yeah, well, it. according to Apple. So right. since the arrival of the iPhone ten last month, we've been seeing Face ID results dribble in, right? And they're not all that... So in October, a few select journals got just 24 hours to play with the iPhone 10 before launch. And Stephen Levy from Wired magazine says, does it work? Pretty much. Now, I've got a problem with that because you don't want, imagine someone saying that about a password. You know, it works sometimes, a lot of the time. Most of the (laughs) time it works. (laughs) And actually, I saw, uh, I think it was just last week, um, a past guest of ours, Troy Hunt, he put up a video where he was testing Face ID. Mm. And he was able to find many circumstances in which it wouldn't work, including being out in the Australian sunshine. Thank you very much for ruining my story. 
Ha. Oh. <laughs> no, Sorry. no, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. But yeah, he found exactly the same thing as Troy Hunt. So, so he said it works pretty much. He said that it had problems with his real life face. So despite a clear view of his face, the iPhone 10 would ghost him. So this is hardly a ringing endorsement, is it? Uh, the Verge's Nilay Patel said he had problems pulling the iPhone 10 out of his pocket and then having it failing to unlock. He also said, as Troy Hunt said, that brightness and shade cause unlocking issues as well. So these are big problems. Accessibility is one of the founding CIA principles of security. So that's like confidentiality, integrity, and accessibility, right? Accessibility is a really important thing to have when you're talking about security. And in my view, kind of a non-negotiable. Now, in November, so just last month, a 10-year-old boy was found to be able to open his mom's phone using Face ID, not once, but repeatedly. And the same kid was even able to open his dad's phone on a single occasion. The dad is reported of saying, the, my wife and I text all the time, and there might be something we don't want our son to see. Ooh. Now my wife has to delete her texts if there's something she doesn't want Amarda to look at. So when I read this story, I was thinking, well, they must look a lot alike because they're related, yeah, but, they're but, family. But it's, it's kind of interesting. And I can imagine that, let's say, boy looks a lot like mom. Yeah. But but can he look like dad and mom at the same yeah, time? Yeah, good point. That's good a point. bit tricky. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so I'm, I'm not saying that this story is not true. I th- it's probably correct in, in, in many ways. And he but, was only um, able to get into his dad's phone on a single occasion. Okay, but his okay. moms, they were able to do it repeatedly. Mm. So, and this, this story calls into question that whole idea of confidentiality and integrity, you know, the components of CIA, right? An unauthorized person can access the sensitive contents and edit, delete, add at will. Yeah, but the whole concept of face ID is pretty much a uh, concern now. If, if somebody is very similar to you, they may be able to unlock your phone. Well, okay. Like, what about your sister or brother? Well, exactly. What do, you know, my brothers are twins, right? Mm. <laughs> well, yeah, trust me, they would not want to see each other's phones. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay, so I'm with you, right? Maybe there's some physical resemblance issues here. But then, just recently, a Chinese woman known as Yan has added mucho fuel to this Face ID fire. It turns out her coworker was able to unlock her iPhone 10 by simply looking at the phone. Well, if, if, you, if you stare long enough, it will unlock itself. <laughs> Come on, do it, do it, don't unlock. <laughs> now, I've, I've put a picture of the two women here. And, okay, maybe they look slightly like, but they're not twins by any stretch of the imagination. One of them does look a bit grumpier than the other, I think. (laughs) (laughs) No, they don't even look, they don't even look related. Um, Now, the two apparently reset facial recognition settings multiple times to retry, and the same result happened. The co-worker could look at the phone and access everything inside. So she does what any of us would do, right? She calls Apple and she says, "Uh, maybe can you explain why my colleague can use Face ID and get into my phone? (laughs) Right? And do you know what Apple say? Apple say bukening, which means impossible. I'm sorry. Uh, bukening. Teotwaki. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, so, uh, so Yan and her colleague head down to the nearest Apple shop to show off the flaw. <laughs> and in fact, um, it didn't matter which woman was kind of the owner of the phone. The other woman could always get in, and they were able to repeat the same outcome on different iPhone 10 models. <laughs> so, have they been offered a different device model to exchange for the they iPhone were offered, 10? They were offered a refund. Yes, so she was offered a refund. Um, 
Now, what this has opened up a brand new snafu. Um, this has led to some Twitter users asking whether Face ID might be racist. Or <laughs> oh, rather, if sake. we go to Twitter user Bien sûr je t'aime, she argues um, devices can't be biased, but if the creators don't account for their own biases, it shows up. Now, Apple are not alone facing such allegations. You might remember Google Image Search faced a racial uh, bias problem of its own last year. Um, an 18-year-old from Virginia showed that when he searched for three black teenagers, he was shown decontextualized mugshots. And when he searched for three white teenagers, he was served up stock photos of relaxed teens hanging out, oh. you, know, um, with, you know, on various plain white backgrounds. So he was, he was searching for those as search phrases, as three search black teenagers or three right. white. Oh, I see. And looking in Google Image That's to see what the results bad. came back. Yeah, exactly. So it all has to come down to, are we testing our stuff enough? I think like people are using all these machine learning algorithms and they can have a bias as well, depending on what kind of data do you feed in. Of course. You know, if you put, if you put the data that only has like white people in, then surely perhaps they won't be able to recognize the difference between some other races in the same way. Mm. Mm-hmm. But this is pretty bad for Apple, which is trying to get, I mean, the Chinese market is a really important one for them, isn't it? And if they don't sort out something like this, they're going to be find themselves in a Bukaneng situation. Kofifi. Sorry, welcome. Yeah, so if we come back to the original uh, statement from Apple, is Face ID the new gold standard for facial recognition? I think my answer on this is, hmm. And, you know, my big problem with the whole Face ID thing is that you have to hold the phone in front of your face like a mirror to get in all the time. And sometimes you just want to kind of, you know, pop the phone out of your pocket, take a quick look, see if you've gotten any messages and slap back in and not, you know, disrupt a meeting or disrupt what's going on around you. Exactly. And... Actually, just last week, Synaptics disclosed details of under-glass fingerprint sensors. So this would allow a phone to be both button and bezel-free, yet still be unlocked with your thumb or with with one of your fingerprints. So who knows? Face ID might just be a flash in the pan. So I might be getting the iPhone XY. Yeah. Or or XI. (laughs) Whatever it's called these days. The super due to a brand new iPhone. All I know is I'm not going to buy one. I'm not going to buy an iPhone 10 because, first of all, I want a three and a half millimeter headphone jack. So do I. And here, here. I, too. I want Touch ID. I'm perfectly happy yep. with Touch ID. I don't need all these newfangled gadgets. Me too. There's no requirement for it, so yep. I'm going to stay we on never my... never agree. See, it's Christmas. We're agreeing. Oh, I love oh, it's, it. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Happy well Christmas, done, guys. Happy Christmas. Aww. Happy Christmas and happy birthday to happy all of us. Happy Christmas. Yay. And we'll I be might... right back with Pick of the Week after this break. Today's podcast is sponsored in part by OneLogin. OneLogin provides single sign-on, which people think is a productivity tool, but it's very much a security tool. Companies use hundreds of applications every day, with the average worker having to remember about 40 passwords. Unless you use a product like OneLogin, passwords go into spreadsheets, into emails, and end up on post-it notes. OneLogin allows IT to say which users have access to which applications at what time, and also enforce two-factor authentication. So even if credentials are compromised, hackers can't get access to those corporate services. And by connecting to Active Directory, access to all of these services is deprovisioned as soon as someone leaves the organization. OneLogin has customers like Airbus, Royal Mail, BSI, and Dun & Bradstreet. 
Find out more about OneLogin and download a free guide to identity access management at smashingsecurity.com forward slash OneLogin. That's smashingsecurity.com forward slash OneLogin. Well, welcome back. And you come back to our favorite part of the show. It is our special birthday edition of Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Our last pick of the week of 2018. 2017. Last pick of the week of 2017. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're doing a future show. This is a two-year anniversary. Yeah, maybe I'll use it next year as well. <laughs> I don't think Vanya's done a pick of the week before. I think he was from the pre- no, pick no, of the week. No, no, no. The, 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 so I, you know, I, I'm so much into security that I'm not sure if I would vote it for pick of the week when I was there. But it turns out actually it's the, maybe even the more fun part of the show. <laughs> do you actually, can I just ask, do you listen to the show, Vanya? Have any do you? Yeah, I listen to at least one. <gasps> wow, man, do you know where to put the knife? No, come on, I've listened to a lot of them. Ian <laughs> and Miko and um Anyone else? Well, don't straighten yourself, don't, don't straighten yourself. Rich B, all the all the people on Odak. <laughs> he hasn't been on for months. <laughs> John Lydon. All right, fair enough. Well done for scrolling down the list of guests. No. <laughs> so, Anya, I'll put you out of your misery. My pick of the week um, was brought to my attention by ace cybersecurity reporter Lorenzo Franceschi Bicciari. I can never say his name. Anyway, he writes for Motherboard all about computer security. Mm-hmm. And it's quite a good chap to read. Yeah. And... He was talking about Bitcoins and he was saying, you know, in the last month, Bitcoins have skyrocketed from, you know, $7,000 or whatever to almost $20,000. They're bordering on that, aren't they, at the moment? There have been countless people doing their maths on their missed opportunity. And he brought my attention to a website where you can find out how much you have lost out by not investing in Bitcoin earlier. All you have to do, and I'll put the link in the show notes, is go to a website called Bitcoin FOMO, F-O-M-O dot club. FOMO stands for fear of missing out. And you tell it, oh, I would have invested maybe $1,000 in Bitcoin on this particular date. And it'll tell you what it would have been worth today. Oh, God. So, I've just done it. Have you just done it? <laughs> it's, it's, it's scary, isn't it? So I've, I've oh. worked out that I've been writing about Bitcoin since at least July, June or July 2011. Okay. So around about six and a half years. Yep. If I had bought a thousand US dollars then, how much do you think it would be worth today? <laughs> Millions. A million. One million three hundred and sixty-three thousand five hundred and twenty-five dollars. Well, I'm, I'm actually, I, I think with all this Bitcoin craze, there'll be so many missed millionaires. It would be much worse than the dot-com boom at the beginning of 2000. It's like where everybody was part of some kind of startup. They just almost made it, but they never made it. <laughs> So this would be like the same thing. You know that there's a term for people who miss that opportunity and have no coins. They are called no coiners. Oh, no coiners. <laughs> it's like a derogatory term for people who allow, and you can spot them uh, in any discussion because they always say, ah, oh, Bitcoin's going to crash. It's awful. This is such a con, right? So you can spot a bit no coiner like that. I have something like 0.0001 coin. So I'm not a no, no coiner. I've got, I've got a similar amount. So I'm not a complete muggle. I know, but it's, well, right, right. Yeah, no, you're definitely not. 
But you know what, what, what the problem is? Like, there are so many, you know, there will definitely will be rich people, but they, those rich people have to at some point convert that Bitcoin yes. into real money. It's like, and what is that point? Like, when do you actually do the conversion? You know, if you're a millionaire, if you're like, say, 50 million in Bitcoin, if you have a million even, like, when is the point where now. you say now it's enough? <laughs> now, but is it now? Well, what what if it goes like there are some some uh, prediction is going to go up to five hundred thousand dollars per coin? Vanya, I am perfectly happy with one million three hundred sixty three thousand five hundred twenty five US dollars. I would be happy too. Yeah, that that. I'm right. glad you didn't get that money because then I think you wouldn't be interested in doing the Smashing Security what do you mean? podcast. I'd, I'd do it every day. I wouldn't do any other oh. work, girl. Of course we would. Uh, We'd do it all the time. We wouldn't have to do anything else, would we? Now, some people, of course, have simply mislaid their Bitcoin wallets. They may have bought things. They may have bought Bitcoin years and years ago. Or they've chucked out an old computer, forgetting that it contained their private keys, uh, having thought that they were worthless. There is a chap called James Howells, for instance. He bought 7,500 Bitcoin back in 2009. Wow. He is currently searching a landfill site in Newport, Wales. As the old computer oh, <laughs> has got bitcoins worth over bummer. four million pounds on them. <laughs> well, didn't they say that something about one third of all bitcoins are actually lost in that sort of way? I'm one sure. way or the other. I'm sure either they got hacked from Mount Gox or one of the other bitcoin exchanges, which yeah. has suffered a fault, or simply people mislaid them or they've forgotten about them. They're on an old computer. Oh. You recycle computers. You accidentally del- wipe your files or something like that. So well, you, there was that recent news that ba- the Bulgarian police also potentially sits on four yes. billion worth in bitcoins. That's right. That's absolutely right. Yes, we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Um, if you want to enjoy other people's misery, if you didn't join in the Bitcoin craze at the right time, you can go to a site called the Database of Lost Crypto Assets. It's at ohmycoins.xyz, where they collect stories, unverified, of course, of how people lost millions by, I don't know, wiping their hard drive or something like that. Anyway, that is... My little bit of joy for those people who didn't invest. And it's my <laughs> pick of the week. Yay. Vanya, what's okay. your pick of the week? So my pick of the week this week is, is, is a kind of an Eastern European type of joy, let's say. Um, and <laughs> Does it involve it's about, death and misery? <laughs> how did you guess, Carol? <laughs> you know. I know you very well. That's yeah. why. So, right. It's, it's, it's. Like on iTunes, there's a trend that many people are now publishing these so-called mindful app, which kind of helps you lead more healthier and more fulfilled lives. Uh And one of those apps uh, was recently published and it's called We Croak. (laughs) You were kidding. (laughs) We Croak. (laughs) We Croak. Which the sole purpose of the app is that at any random time of the day, it reminds the user i.e. you, that you're going to die. <laughs> I love it. I love so, it. So, you know, we you you are like doing washing the dishes. Perhaps you're not happy for washing the dishes <laughs> or doing like suddenly, suddenly you get a message, you will die. And of course, there are not just messages like very much plain like that, but there are some interesting thoughts from thinkers about how people reach this uh, stage of life. Vanya, have you installed the life. app? Because I have. I've been running it for a few days. Is it good? I'm actually really enjoying it. <laughs> and has it made your life more miserable well, or more enjoyable? Well, like you said, about five times a day, it pops up this message. I think it says something like, remember, you're going to die someday. And you can swipe and then you get a quote. I don't like the quote so much. So right now, the quote is from Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> okay. So, you know. Do you know who that is, Graham? <laughs> 
I'm the one that has to die when it's time for me to die. So let me live my life the way I want to. I don't know when he deep, said that. Or if it, yeah, well, whatever. So I don't really like those so much. But I do like this perpetual reminder that I'm going to die because actually it has made me a little bit mind- mindful. Yeah, I think so. Because because you can you can be in some completely <laughs> in a situation where you, you don't enjoy it. I actually haven't installed the app, but I did think about the app quite a few times during the last few days. Yes. Because in this, let's say, Christmas period can be quite stressful. And sometimes you just think like, "Why well, I'm stressing, like, and just think about the week row cup. And exactly. it's like, oh, okay, dude. Yeah. Just yeah. Yeah. Chillax. Chillax. You're going to die anyway. If you're doing yeah. something you're not really enjoying. It, yeah. it, and it's sometimes popped up at the most opportune moments. And it's like, oh, this is quite good. So if anything, it's actually cheered me up. I did have to pay 99 pence to install it. Oh, yeah. yeah I would think like, okay, they're <laughs> exploiting us clearly with 99 pence. But I've probably got more than 99 pence of joy out of it. So I don't think view it as completely depressing. At least it's, if it's if it's an advert-free experience, then yes. I guess it's worth it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I'd rather pay 99 pence than being bombarded by adverts for funeral parlours. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Make your array dignitas. My pick of the week is completely free. Oh. And you guys can enjoy it. So I'm, you know, I just, I just want to pre- preface it with one thing. Okay. You know that I'm not earnest very often. But at this time of year, it's important to get a bit more serious occasionally. So this is why I've chosen this pick of the week for you guys. All right. Okay. So if you would just click on the link. Okay. Clicking on the link. First or the second one? And there's two links. Oh, for goodness sake. Oh, this is vulgar. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> no, I don't Come like this. Come on. Okay. No, why don't you that's... look at the second one? Look okay. I'm going to look at the second, look second, at the second of, one. It's kind of cute. Come on. I know. Grave is just. I'm just a bit English for that. I can't yeah. deal with that. Okay. Okay, you know, uh, about twerking, there, there was this uh, Croatian show, Croatia's Got Talent, and there was a girl who did the twerking video, and there was like a huge discussion in all the serious newspapers, obviously Croatia being a Catholic country, we don't like anything like showing off any sexuality on, on uh, government paid TVs, on the national TV, so... Carol, there I, you are. For those, do you want to explain um, what we've just watched? Well, I think it'd be better coming from you. I think so, you can do this. Oh, okay. So on both occasions, there is a woman who has, she has face paint on her, right? Um, and she's wearing some sort of G-string. She's, well, not the woman. Oh, there's a sun. Oh, I've explained this really badly. <laughs> do um, you want to start anyway, again? <laughs> there's a, there's, this woman has a nose, not in itself that unusual, um, but the nose uh, the, the two nobbles of the nose appear to be the buttocks of a painted-on woman, and then she wiggles her nose around to make it look like her nose is twerking. Or the bot- you just have to see it. Well, no, don't see it. But the other one has the Grinch on it and a reindeer. Yes. Is a yes. little bit, a little less uncouth, but still. Hey, how- I'd say it's pretty cute. Yeah, and I it's think, a festive season. Just, uh, yeah, I don't think you just killed something that could have been very cute. You're Mr. Grumpy. Be careful, Mr. Mr. Grumpy. 2018's coming. Hang on. Luckily, Graham has the app installed. Any moment now, Recroak is going to pop up for me and say, forget over yourself, Graham. You're going to die. Good. (laughs) I'm looking forward to it. Kroll, thank you for the last pick of the week of 2017. It is the last pick of the week of 2017 because... We are going to take a short break, aren't we? Our first ever break. Wow. A two-week break. You guys, I come back and you make a big break. That's not good. (laughs) 
Well, we wanted even if, to, for, if it was for only for one episode. That's why we got you on, you see, because you're going to be so satisfying to all our listeners that they're going to be just fine for the next few weeks until we get back on time. All right, then. So, if you uh, want to keep up with us, not that we'll be doing very much over the next couple of weeks, have a happy Christmas and follow us on Twitter at Smash Insecurity, no G. Twitter still hasn't given us enough characters to put a G in our Twitter handle. You can join us on Facebook at smashingsecurity.com slash Facebook. And we have gifts galore in our online store at smashingsecurity.com slash store. So all that remains is, Vanya, are you going to come back again? Uh, if you let me. We'll uh-huh. think about it. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. If you know someone who might like the podcast, tell them about it. Or just steal their phone and subscribe them. So much easier. Oh, yeah. That's the kind of thing that Mozilla would do, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Until next time. Cheerio. Bye-bye. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas and New Year. Happy Hanukkah. Happy New Year. Happy every holiday. So, how about this? How about we do hello, hello, my name's Graham Cluley, and I'm Carol Terrio. And then I'll Van- say that bit. <laughs> yeah, and then Vanya says, and I'm Vanya Schweitzer. And we go, hey! Right? How about that? Is that cute? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we could do that. Fine. Sounds really exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Super exciting. You're really, you're really, t- I'm loving what you came up with. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Oof.